If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneur experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made are looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of the bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Lives branding team. In the following episode of The Transition, I'm joined by Army veteran and CEO Circle alumni, Chris Anthony, founder and CEO of Teamwork Security, a software company building a better way to manage cyber incident response and defense, cyber, critical infrastructure, and emergency management. Teamworks is the world's largest secure online forum that connects security teams across public and private sectors. Chris and I got connected just over a year ago after he was getting his start with the bunker. Since then, he's been a two-time CEO Circle participant, traveled to the Milvet Startup Conference, and is really leaning in to the veteran entrepreneurial ecosystem. On the show, Chris and I talk about the origins of Teamworks Security what he's learned going through his first capital raise, and how he's managed to consistently perform while operating at the edge of his own competency. Before you hear from Chris and I, be sure to subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. I'd also like to encourage you to check out my first book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur. Validate your business model, build your brand, and Step Into Greatness, available on Amazon. Applications are currently open for veterans and residents. Our peer-facilitated six-month business incubator that provides veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs a networking community, business skills, and opportunities to help grow and scale their businesses. You can apply at the link in the show notes. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, MetLife Foundation also provides mentorship, financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and accelerate you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Chris, my man, welcome Hi. back to the bunker. What's going on? Iron Mike, it was a pleasure to see you. Look, uh, the way that you represent our community, you know, I can't be Mike. I can only be Chris Anthony, but man, we, we, there's a lot of us that looks up to you. Uh, we hear your message. Um, we want to be part of you know your message. We want to help you as much as we think you can help us. And that's part of it. That's the game. That's us putting this positive thing out into the universe. And um, you remember Lenore. Uh, Lenore reached out to me and said, hey, I want you to you know, introduce you to so-and-so because, you know, they're looking for some help on their next, you know, career, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're getting ready to retire. The best thing that we can do is go and support when we need it, because sometimes we may need that. And being part of that message, being part of that community, Mike, you're the example, man. Let me tell you, that is the example that I want to be able to talk to my kids about as they're growing up. I appreciate it, man. I'm humbled by it. And, uh, you know, me and Chris are kindred spirits, right? Uh, I entered the veteran entrepreneurial ecosystem a little bit earlier than him, although I didn't plan on doing it. I just planned to transition, <laughs> you know, create this new life for myself, leave the military behind me. But yet it pulls us in. And then when we first met, I feel like you were just kind of coming into the yeah. community. You know, you had bootstrapped your business. 
You've been out there hooking and jabbing. And then now you're like, okay, there's this ecosystem with Barker Labs and some of these other organizations. What's it about? And then I've gotten to see you from afar, you know, carve out your own identity and share your story and your message and build your own network within it. So it's been pretty cool to see, man. I appreciate that. You know, I came into this, um, you know, I'm a former Army Ranger and I, I jumped into this world of entrepreneurship, guns a blazing. And, you know, at times as an infantry guy would, you know, we have, we suffer from this, you know, too much confidence at times. Um, and I think part of that is re a requirement to be an entrepreneur because you want to make mistakes. You want to try things out. You want to go in guns a blazing at times. But now, as you said, I think I'm settling in. I'm gaining a little bit more confidence in our ability to figure things out. Um, I wanted to talk to you in this, this episode about you know, our identity in terms of branding and marketing, because we today still don't have a, a marketing uh, person. We don't even have a sales team. Um, but we just hired our first marketing and branding manager, and she starts on Monday. And let me tell you, um, they look at the world differently. You know, people, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an engineer, we look at the world a little bit differently. And the whole point is bringing in somebody who doesn't see it that way, but sees it for a better way. And for me to put my ego aside and say, okay, let's, let's try it. We're called teamwork security for that reason. And it took me a few years to get into that stride, but I think I'm here. We're excited to hear your story today. Um, so I would love for you to just formally introduce yourself to everyone, let them know what teamwork security is. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to ask you a follow-up question about taking off your armor. Okay. Um, so I'm Chris Anthony. I'm one of the two founders of Teamwork Security. Uh, we're a Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab spinoff. Um, we created uh, Hive IQ as a platform that helps build communities, or what we call a community of communities. Right in every industry, we have a requirement to work with other industry partners, teams, and cybersecurity. That's even more important. And uh, what we do is we make it easy from a very secure perspective for teams, organizations, industries, state and local government, federal, DOD, other countries to work together uh, to solve some of our the world's most pressing problems, primarily in the cybersecurity industry. When you say the term spinoff, that might be a term that's foreign to some of our listeners. So mm -hmm. could you please elaborate? So I'm a retired Army guy. Um, I went to work for Johns Hopkins University, which is uh, the APL portion is a national laboratory. And what we do is we create, um, you know, the future of industries, the future of government, et cetera, in terms of technology, engineering, math, data science, that kind of stuff. We really try to innovate beyond what's capable. And 10 years ago, U.S. Cybercom was just getting off the ground. And we had created some core technology that helped prove that you can be cyber and you cannot be cyber and you can find a way to work together. And when we find a way, non-cyber people and cyber people find a way to work together, let me tell you what happens. Magic, right? The world is not a bunch of cybersecurity people. That world is primarily decision makers and everything but. But we all have to work together. So a spinoff was... There were some folks around the SecDef's office. There were some folks here in the National Capital Region that said, hey, 
we recommend that you spin this technology out or this idea out into the commercial world so organizations can and license and buy it. And we did that um, October 1st will be seven years ago. And we've bootstrapped ever since. That's great. And I think people undervalue opportunities to incubate business ideas mm -hmm. and spin them out. I know there's this big movement around venture studios, mm -hmm. but I love the idea around, and I've been trying to think of this myself, how do I get more of this out into the world for small business owners? You know, because I have a lot of infrastructure here at Ironbound Media. I could spin out a digital agency mm -hmm. or something for someone just to get started, you know, because it's it's so hard to go from zero to hero. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of us that have been successful, I think we can create the ecosystem and the infrastructure to help launch other ventures. Yeah. You know, the first thing I had to do was one, being an entrepreneur is a very lonely thing if you let it. Um, there are communities around the globe. Startup communities. Uh, we're currently located in the Maryland Innovation Center, uh, which is a nonprofit that incubates small businesses here in the county. Um, there are organizations like Bunker Labs and maybe CEO Circle and MillVet conferences. Go out. You have to go out and find your community because you shouldn't have to do this alone. Being an entrepreneur is is in the beginning was just crazy. I. You know, how do you come up with an idea and put some traction to it? You can read all the books that you want to read, but until you find your tribe, your community, your, I was in the military, I wanted to be an army ranger and I had to go and join that community. You, my recommendation is go out and find out there's one in your local community around the world. Go out and find that and start there. Ask questions, become a student, become somebody who listens. And then do your thing, but harder to do, to do it alone, right? We're called teamwork security for a reason. More powerful when you put community behind it. It is brutally lonely. Yeah. Uh, the thing that prepared me, honestly, was my time being a platoon commander in the Marine Corps. Yeah. That's the only thing I could think of was as lonely. When you're sitting at your patrol base, you got a bunch of Lance Corporals and Corporals around. You, maybe you got your platoon sergeant, but I had to get comfortable just sitting in the corner reading a book by myself. Yeah. Um. But for a lot of people, man, the mental health, especially when things are going bad, right? Like it's very, it's very challenging. So that's why we have this platform, mm -hmm. you know, so people feel supported when they're not in these metropolitan areas, you know, like you and I, Chris, you know, I'm in New York City, you're in Maryland, uh, but you still have close proximity to DC and some other stuff. You know, we got a lot of vets in the sticks. That's right. You know, they're out there, you know, on a dream, wishing a prayer trying to make it happen in North Dakota or wherever else, but through technology, we can reach people around the world. 100%. You know, there is, I still, after all these years, I still mentor uh, transitioning military uh, uh, folks as well as the mill spouse community. Um, but I find myself um, speaking with uh, folks almost on a weekly basis about their path to entrepreneurship. And, um, I can only share my, my bumps and bruises. And I think that's part of the value, but putting yourself out there uh, and giving back when you can, this, this is all part of it, right? I don't care if we go on to be, you know, more successful than I can even dream about. Being part of this community, continuing to contribute to it and nurture it, you're just doing the best you can for future generations. And you know what? regardless of where you're at. I mean, we, I was working with somebody in Spain, uh, West Point grad, starting her gig, 
and she's in Spain doing her thing. And you know what? All of her clients are here in the United States. And um, there's almost no excuse not to go out with an idea and try to conquer the world. When we first started, you opened up and said, man, Mike, a lot of us look up to you. Yeah. And I want to flip the script and say, like, I look up to you because, you know, when I came in this ecosystem, I came by Stanford Ignite. We were taught about how to put together a pitch deck and do all this other stuff. Yeah. Then you really get punched in the face and you realize only a small percentage of people actually raise capital like that. Mm -hmm. The rest of us kind of have to bootstrap. And so for you to bootstrap, do that spin off and build a successful business, I think that's inspiring for me as well as a lot of our viewers. And even as great and as comfortable as things are, I know it's still not easy. And so I would love for you to get vulnerable with our listeners and take off your armor and share something that you're struggling with currently, you know, as a CEO of a successful bootstrap small business. So um, even though we've been doing this almost seven years, um, you know, we push innovation to the edge and sometimes that pushes the company to the edge and being able to balance you know, the, the health and the livelihoods. I've got 34, 35 folks now that I'm responsible for. And, you know, there isn't a day that goes by that reminds me that, you know, there are still some tough times ahead, but I don't want it any other way. I can't be afraid of it. I have to be able to take it head on. And guess what? I'm going to make mistakes. And today, uh, we're still wrestling with some of these things. I mean, what happens if we decide to take money from an investor? You know, all of a sudden we have a, a brand new set of expectations put on ourselves. And my question to myself and my team is, can we rise to the occasion? The longer that I do this, the more confident I become in myself to not make that same mistake twice, but not to be afraid to go out there and maybe fall on my face because it happens. Um, Six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, we had put together an action plan. We have different teams right here at Teamwork Security. And in this case, we called this the, the power triangle. We had three teams coming together uh, to do something that was in direct benefit of not only what they were doing, but the company. And my co-founder and I, we kind of mapped it out. We had, uh, you know, we're whiteboard folks, drawn everything out. The providing expectations, you know, what's the goal, what's the end state, what are the deliverables and milestones and everything in between. And we got it up and running. And then six weeks later, because I was traveling and I think I was working from home for maybe a week, I had um, somebody who was sick at home, came back and I was doing an assessment on how well the power triangle was, was going. And the first day I said, this is not working. What happened to the conversations and where are the goals and objectives and where are these people? Why aren't they meeting? It, it just as if it just went away. I stepped away, put the proper leadership in place, and then I came back to reassess six weeks later. Well, it was almost non-existent. It had completely taken a left. Because... I wasn't clear to the person who I had put in charge of this execution. And I won't be very specific, but this person, you know, because I wasn't clear, took a left turn and this person was doing exactly what they thought they should be doing. 
but it completely threw the whole thing off the rails. And we had to sit down for about two and a half hours and um, kind of figure out where, where we went wrong. Look, at the end of the day, this is, this is my responsibility, and I wasn't clear. At the end of the day, I didn't provide the proper guidance. And we blew six weeks of an effort that, had we done it right, I think we would have gained better traction, that kind of stuff. But you know what? It didn't take the company too far off track. Nobody lost their job. Um, I mean, maybe revenue suffered a little bit, but we quickly got back on track. We quickly realized what we did wrong, and we quickly quickly made sure that we had, one, the right information, access to the right people, the direction, goals, and objectives reset. And I just checked in right before jumping on this call, and they're tracking. So my point is this. I don't care what your title says. At the end of the day, if you're in a position of leadership, um, you have to provide the proper guidance. You have to provide the leadership and the vision. And I didn't do that. And it, I'll just say it, it pisses me off that when I get that wrong, I get it wrong. But at the same time, I don't care what your title is again. Sometimes you have to be the person who's just going to sit there and listen. You know, I learned a long time ago as a young infantryman, there's two kinds of people in my world. You're either the leader or you're the one being led. And I don't care what your title is. Which one are you? And you're not always just one. Let me put it that way. You know, one of the things I've been trying to articulate to people is that entrepreneurship is a craft just like anything else, mm -hmm. right? You get better as you go. So you don't make the same mistakes twice. Or maybe you do, right? Yeah. Um, but the idea is to get that Kaizen, that 1% progress yep. each time. Um, and it sounds like, you know, yeah, you had this experience, but now, you know, it's okay to look back. Just don't stare. So yeah. it's like, how do we do this better the next time? And, like, I'm in the same boat, right? I've had projects fall through the wayside. But I've had to learn through coaching and some other things, get my agenda going, get my accountability, get my cadence, right? All these things mm -hmm. that people don't understand when you're first starting out because you're just in survival mode. Yeah. But as we start to scale up to managing other people, passing stuff along, it's a whole nother art and science than yeah. we're used to. I tell you what, I, we're, we're implementing EOS right now. And, you know, Nick Bradfield, um, you know, he's helping us implement um, the, the model entrepreneur operating system. And, you know, we came up to this, this, this place in the conversation, we were about 60 days into the implementation. And he said, Okay, so we're going to get ready to, to do a raise. And so how do we put milestones? And how do we, you know, set goals and objectives? And I've never done a raise before. So I wasn't quite sure. And it's just one of those things where, you know, the EOS model and having conversations with Nick, you know, gave me just enough confidence to, to do it and to just kind of step off into the unknown. And whether you're a business owner of six months or six years, um, I still find myself pushing, putting myself out there into this area of being uncomfortable and messing it all up. And I've, I've spoken to a whole bunch of uh, investors, potential investors. Some days I have good days where I think my, my presentation was rock solid. And some days I've walked away with, man, I just screwed that up. I was completely distracted, off track, didn't have my stuff straight. 
Um, there's no right way to do that. There is no straight line to success. You just got to find your own path. And oftentimes it is not a straight line. On this operating at the edge of your own competency, right? There's one quote I have from Stanford Ignite that told me about entrepreneurship. And it says, entrepreneurs, we consistently operate at the edge of our own competency. And we assume that people in leadership positions have it all figured out until you're in that leadership position or until you're that parent. And you realize, like, I'm still white knuckling. I'm still hustling. Yeah. This is something I have learned. And it's, it's really elevated me as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Of Nate Zinzer, Dr. Nate Zinzer wrote a book called The Confident Mind at West Point. Um, and one of the things he talks about is, and not only him, there's another guy named Bob Rotella, and anyone in sports psychology, human performance, of when you're making that jump shot, when you're shooting that jump shot, yeah, you gotta believe that it's going in. Yep. Right? Because there's no method to like guarantee success but you will 100% tank your chances of hitting it if you think going into it that you're not going to hit. Yeah. We got to have this moment of when we're in it, we cut off the monkey brain. Yeah. Right? And you just start executing. And so even you during this raise or those out there that feel like you're white knuckling, you have no idea what's going on, you're in that pitch, that's the time to cut off the monkey brain. Yep. Just push, execute. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, we can do all that outside of the ring. Yeah. But when you're in the arena, when you're in the ring, you're in operator mode. And so for you, as you're going through these challenges and you're thinking about it, you're already competent, right? You've bootstrapped the business. Most of these investors have not done what you've done, you know? So just putting, cutting off that monkey brain yeah. and just executing it. Yeah. My, who, is, who said that? Michael Jordan, right? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take? Yeah. I mean, that is absolutely true. Look. Um, sometimes I'm on the phone in the evenings, right? I typically will talk to transitioning folks whenever they're available. Sometimes that's the weekends, yeah. right? You have to make, I may, I try to make myself available. Otherwise, then what's the point? But you never know if you're talking to somebody and it helps them somewhere down the line. At least you did your part. But if you don't do that, you're doing yourself a disservice. And the same thing goes for, for business. I've had good days and bad days. You know what? But there is some, you know, if you're just going to, um, you know, muscle way, muscle your way through it, um, I think I'm more of that type of person. Some people won't do that. They won't do anything until they're so well prepared, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I find more success and everybody's different. I just, if I'm tired, I'm hungry, I want to go home. I got to have another conversation. Sometimes you just got to do it because you just never know. And just doing that is, again, pushing yourself, pushing myself outside of that comfort zone. Man, I tell you what, if you think entrepreneurship is easy, um, don't do it. And it's not yeah. easy. I mean, if you really want to give it a go and you want to try to be successful, if it's easy, I think you might be doing something wrong. I mean, I've never had it easy. so. Maybe there's some people out there that can prove me wrong, but I, I wouldn't want to have it any other way. You'll never see me tell anybody on my platform that <laughs> entrepreneurship is easy. And the reason I share that story, though, Chris, and that thinking is because yeah. I've had to train myself to do that, right? I've had to distinguish from, you know, being in it mentally. That's why people talk about mindfulness, yeah. right? Because the inner critic is always there. The imposter is always there. 
but I can't have him there when I'm giving that brief back to a client yeah. on their branding or I'm teaching a workshop. I just have to push along or when I'm doing a panel, right? Um, and so, again, I say this to all of you out there that there are there is some art and science to this veteran entrepreneurship that I'm learning and I'm trying to give back on these platforms because, you know, this way of thinking is really going to um, impact your performance because I know how critical we all are. Yeah. It's got to be perfect. Yeah. You know, everything's got to be perfect. Well, that's not the case in what we do. The stuff is changing all the time. I heard uh, Barbara Corcoran on Shark Tank, um, <laughs> which I, I, I used to watch that religiously until I realized that what I do is kind of like that. Um, she said 70% is good enough. And what she meant was nobody is going to do what you think is perfect. Only you're going to do what you think is perfect. And if you try to expect or have the expectation that somebody you're working with or somebody that you've hired, et cetera, is going to do it the way you want to do it, you're going to drive yourself crazy. And you know what? That hit home for me because I had those high expectations. I had this, I'm going to give you a salary and you're going to do it right 100% of the time. And you know what? It doesn't work that way. And uh, it almost force me to want to be a micromanager, which I'm not. And you know what? It Whether it's 70%, 80%, all you can ask for is somebody that's going to give you their 100%, which will be different than yours. And you know what? And then you have a team. And then you add another person to the team. And you go out and do what that team is set out to do. And if you can find success and it's not easy, then more power to you. But you got to lean on people. Um, their experiences, you got to be able to learn. You got to be open minded. Um, man, you got to be a steward of the game. You got to be um, willing to listen and take some lumps along the way. We always talk about um, leadership, right? The selfless leader. Right. And usually I have guests on this platform and I invite them on to share their story. Mm -hmm. And then I ask them, what does a win look like? And when I asked Chris this question, he didn't make it about him, he wanted to make it about y'all. Because you're in the process of raising capital. Mm -hmm. You've learned a lot along the way. And you want to make sure you took this opportunity to educate others in our community about what you've learned. Yeah. It, it's a hard thing. And I just sat in our Monday morning meeting uh, when I got to, you know, this is my chance to sit down with my leadership team. And I said this. I said, the decisions that I'm making that I think will affect the entire company start in this room. Start with the people here and start with their opinions, their assessments, their guidance. Because if you think this is just about me, we, we probably would have been out of business a long time ago. <clears throat> How do you tell a headstrong, very determined, maybe overly confident person to be able to do that? Um, and that person was me. And I still think there's a lot of that in me. But being able to lean on somebody else because, man, they're just... They're smarter than me. They, the, what they bring to the team, they're experts in. I'm not. So <clears throat> if you think entrepreneurship is about me, 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 it's the wrong business. You need to go find another profession. What brought you to the point to where, you know, you're transitioning from, you know, bootstrapping to saying, hey, I think it's time for us to consider raising capital. You know, we have a projection. We've been able to, you know, goals and objectives. We've been able to hit our milestones. And in many cases, we've exceeded our ability. Uh, we've exceeded those expectations. 
And it was very simple to us. We think that with some help, some guidance, and some additional resources, we can get to big goal uh, much faster, almost half the time, um, by simply us doing it ourselves. Now, you know, we had to ask ourselves, is this something we want to be doing for, for many years to come? Well, the answer, the short answer is yes. Um, but there's certain momentum and there's certain, you know, energy around what we're doing. We've created this vacuum in this, this uh, I would say, level of excitement and this synergy and direction. You know, I think that's what investors refer to as all we want to do is we want to add more fuel to the fire that you've created, this, this, this vacuum, this, this thing. And, you know, it took us probably two years to realize that. Do we want to bring in somebody that we would have to share our vision with? And that in itself was pretty tough. But in this case, we finally all agreed that we can get to our big goal faster if we brought in a team to come in and help us. And the, the second thing, if I may, is... I was explaining this to an investment team um, recently because they, they questioned why we needed the money. We could have asked for a lot more, but we, set, we settled on $10 million because we, have, we know exactly how to deploy that, that, that capital in order to maximize the return. And when we built the company and we started growing, we grew faster than we had anticipated. Very good problem to have. But in doing so, we skipped right over the part or many of the parts that would have taught us how to bring in a CFO. How do you build a board of directors and um, advisors? Uh, how do we best structure the company from a financial uh, corporate structure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? How do we, beyond maintaining minimum viable product, how do we get the right amount of effort out there to maximize the time our engineers and data scientists are putting into it. So we're still learning to be stewards of the game of entrepreneurship. We don't know everything. And we feel we felt that now is the time that one, we needed the expertise and the tutelage. We needed the additional resources because we think we can accelerate by 50% or more. And you know what? We all agree that it's time to bring in another perspective and a fresh team that would maybe continue to motivate us and then make us better. You know what I mean? Um, not, I do. Ju not just do something, but bring in a team that would re-energize what we're doing and maybe add a different perspective and, you know, maybe we can be better. So we're looking for that team. You and I were at the Milvet Startup Conference, mm -hmm. which was awesome. Awesome. And I feel like a lot of times when I bring guests on the podcast and they talk about raising capital, mm -hmm. they're typically coming through like the startup lens. Yeah. And we know SaaS is a big thing. Very rare have I had someone on that already has a successful business. They bootstrapped it up. And now they're really looking for growth capital. Yeah. Uh, which is different than that initial startup capital. Yeah. And so, you know, what does that space look like? Because typically, if I'm not mistaken, growth stage businesses are looking for either like some venture debt or something, mm -hmm. or they're looking for private equity yeah. and kind of explain that landscape to what you're kind of facing ahead of you or what your options are for viewers that um, don't understand, you know, what's up there. So we've, we've actually considered all three. We started out by looking at venture debt. Um, you know, we were comfortable in taking on some debt 
in order to grow, uh, to accelerate growth. And, um, you know, we went back and forth for several months and talked to some, um, some uh, venture folks that were interested in giving us, I think one of the offers was right about $10 million. I think, let me take that back, 5 million and then 5 million the next year, uh, which would have uh, been venture debt to us. And, and then I, um, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think I got cocky. I said, you know, I, I think I told this to Lenore. I said, I, I don't, I don't want to spend my own money as much as I would rather spend somebody else's money. Look, we're going to reinvest every penny that we've made and another 5 million is going back into the company this year. But I want to be more smart. And in doing so, we have to be able to um, give out some equity. We need to bring in a partner. So venture debt was out. We wanted the expertise. We agreed that that right team can help us get to where we want to go much faster. So then we started talking to VCs. And then in the beginning, some VCs were mostly uh, seed. We talked to a couple pre-seed. You know, how do you then find those venture capital firms that are all about growth? Then you have to start doing due diligence and you have to start pounding the pavement, going to conferences like in San Francisco. And I talked to Darren just last Friday. Um, and I said, Hey, you know, we're, we're looking for uh, series a, uh, uh, slash growth and here's where we're at and here's why. So it then took me a few months just to find out what type of venture, uh, firms are doing the, or at that stage or those types of investors. <clears throat> and then we had a few introductions to private equity and then they have their story and how they say, look, we want to continue to, uh, to help you grow. We want to bring in some money when you need it. And we typically like to um, allow you to hyper-focus on your growth versus the venture model, the more popular venture model, which is raise, 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 give up more and more and more equity. So you have two different models. How much equity do you really want to give up? And is taking on 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, $60 million a benefit to what you're trying to do? Can it get you to the goals that you're trying to get to? Or are you looking for a private equity play, which is more traditionally, we'll give you what you need, we'll raise money as needed, but we're going to hyper-focus on this. They typically don't blitz the market. They don't raise any additional uh, money unless you absolutely need it. So I could be wrong, but I have to imagine when you're launching a startup, right? You got that MVP built out. Mm -hmm. It's still fiction, you know? So like you don't have the back office built. You don't have all this other stuff. You're essentially getting people to invest in an idea. Right. But when you're raising capital and you've got a business already established, like you've been around seven years, it's probably similar to like trying to sell a business, you know? Because <laughs> now they're seeing all the stuff, right? They're really getting in and, yeah. you know, it's white knuckled. It's a lot of Google Docs and stuff like that, but you got to turn it into like a well-oiled machine. Am I mistaken? Uh, you're not. A lot of them like to see, you know, those very efficient processes and they want to see the right people who are doing the jobs. They don't like to, investors typically don't like to see excess when we're at, um, you know, series A or growth stage. Um, so we still, look, regardless of what stage of investment you are, you still have a lot of things to prove. Uh, right now, we don't have a sales or marketing team. So initially they said, oh, well, you need to be able to build out a sales team. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I need to give you more money. And then the next team, investment team came in and said, oh, well, you've gotten to where you're at without a sales team. That's actually a good thing. 
we turn it into a positive. We don't have a CRO, a revenue officer. We don't have a CFO. We don't have a CTO. Um, there are some key positions that we think we need, but we've been able to manage without it. And can that team and their investment bring in the right people? And can we convince them that the team that we have in place is the right team? And the, the lease that we currently have on the space, is that going to run out? And the ability to, to bring in more dollars and to continue to develop beyond minimum viable product. And how do you scale globally? And what does that look like? And how much money you're paying out to your infrastructure? I mean, I can go on for, I can go on and on. It's just mind boggling as to the different types of questions we get asked. For a lot of us as veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses, we don't necessarily start businesses to make money, right? We start them to make impact, to share our passions with the world. And a lot of times impact, can, you know, everybody talks about environment, sustainable. It's also creating jobs for people. Don't underestimate the power of employing people yeah. um, and helping them create economic freedom for themselves and their families. But I say that to say uh, when you start to raise capital, you are inviting other people into your house. Yes. And it's important for us to make sure that the people we're inviting in share the same values as we do. 100%. And that's not always the case when you're raising capital. It's because not. Because as much as we love that venture capitalists and angels, that they carry the same mission-driven focus, like, let's be real about it. They want to make money. And they want to make a lot of money back. So they're not your friends. They're your investors. And it's important for people to understand that. You know, um, you're, you're right. Look, at the end of the day, you're in a business and you have an idea and you want to change the world. And as you continue to grow, you can't change the world without generating revenue. And if you can't grow without an investment, you, do, you aren't changing the world. So you have to make some concessions. And as, as you just pointed out, it I think we're being very picky as to who we want to invite into our house. Um, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be in the current position to where I don't have to make a hasty decision, right? Because there's a lot of, look, if somebody throw through, you know, two, three, five million dollars at you, your first inclination, at least for me, was, man, this can solve a lot of my challenges and get me moving in the right direction. But then those concessions, uh, you know, you realize you're beholden to them and their ideas. And if you're not on the same page, man, I can only imagine of how bad that could be. And I don't want to put um, the folks in this company, um, I don't want to introduce them to people like that. You talked earlier about ego, right? Mm -hmm. And you should deserve a little ego, a little confidence, a little conviction. Yeah. Right. Sometimes I think confidence as you have faith that things are going to work out. Right. But I think conviction is different because you've proven it to yourself like over and over and over. So when you speak, you speak from a place of authority. When I do things, I try to do it from a space of conviction, right. which means I've already gotten my face beat in, figuring out the hard answer to these questions yeah. that I, you know, solutions that I, that I solve. But the reason I say that is you have bootstrapped your business. Okay. Now you're in this position to raise capital. Do you feel like you've made it as an entrepreneur? I don't. Um, there's still a lot of things I, I, I have to learn, but there's a lot of things that I still want to learn. Um, success to me, um, you know, I have my own definition of that. And it's not just based on some monetary value of the company. 
um, it's based on me being able to put our ideas into the this place that you know will help the business grow. Um, I don't think that we've realized our potential yet. I think we're a little ways from that, uh, which is one of the reasons why we think now is a good time to raise capital. Um, as an entrepreneur, I mean, look, Mike, if this thing were over tomorrow and I went out and started another business, I'd still have to learn a lot of additional things. Um, I hate spreadsheets. Everybody who knows me knows I hate spreadsheets, but do I have to learn how to read spreadsheets when I'm talking to, uh, you know, an investor who's doing their due diligence? Absolutely. Um, so what is a successful entrepreneur? Um, I can tell you that I'm, a, I'm in a better place today than I was five years ago much better place. Um, and that feeling of comfortability scares me. Um, minimum viable product. I just had a conversation with my team again on Monday morning. We always want to maintain that, you know, living on the edge. Because if we get too comfortable in doing something, I think we lose sight of why we're actually trying to do this. And that's my, that's my thing. Um, how do you, keep the company on edge while at the same time meaning a certain level of comfortability without going too far in one or the other. So I think that I'm more successful than I was five years, but in a lifetime of an entrepreneur, I've got a lot to learn. The reason I asked that question and I ask that to a lot of entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. whether I'm on a podcast or not, is because I think a lot of our viewers think when they get to certain goals that it's going to be a different world for them. Yeah. That there is this making it. But I've talked to people that have exited their companies for hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'm like, during that entire buildup, did you feel like you had made it? He's like, no, we were in survival mode. <laughs> you know, he felt like he was literally in survival yeah. mode. So those of you that feel like you're white knuckling it right now, you feel like you're not, you don't have it all together, right? That's what it kind of feels like to be an entrepreneur. That's the sweet spot right there. That's the sweet spot. <laughs> you know, you're at the edge, you know? And I, I even think about me. Man, when I first started my podcast agency, I was like doing podcasts for like $2,500. That's yeah. what my thought process was. And I remember I jumped on, I was looking at this guy that did like project management and he helped businesses kind of get organized. Yeah. And I saw how he was doing his podcast and I scheduled a call with him, right? And I was like, oh, how much do you charge for, you know, your service? It was like $20,000. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a lot of money, you know? But then as you grow an entrepreneur, you start building that stuff yourself. Yeah. But I remember what it was like when you first started, when you see what people are building, you're like, I can't imagine, you know, but it's this journey that you kind of, you go on. And I say that story though, but like, again, it's still challenging. It's still hard. I have a friend, Jeff Lenar, who says the grass isn't always greener. It's brown. Yeah. So it's just different. So you guys are going to be constantly moving to different levels of your entrepreneurial journey. And each level is going to be different. You got to stay grounded. Uh, as I heard you talking, it's, you know, um, how do I keep myself grounded? Because if I'm not grounded, I'm not thinking, I'm not, I'm not doing the, I'm not being the best person I can for this company, right? If I'm thinking that I'm better, or I don't have to do something, um, you know, somebody else is supposed to be doing it. I'm not staying grounded. I'm, I'm very wary of that. I think I was, I had success in the military to where I got to a point where you know, I was always way overconfident. I can go through a, a brick wall and still be able to fight kind of thing. You know, I think all young rangers get to that point in their life. Um, 
So I have to constantly find those ways to keep me grounded. And one of the best ways is to go meet with my, my peers and the Marley's and the Eric styles and the Brendan's and, um, you know, my local community, we have like a CEO circle kind of thing in the Maryland innovation center here. And the way that I am able to work with people transitioning, that's super important, not only for my own mental health, I mean, but let's face it, it's about things that help me stay grounded. And man, it, it's hard because somebody gives you $10 million, that's going to come with a little bit of swagger right there. Um, and then I think you might make mistakes. At least I think I would. So man, I got to stay, I got to stay close to the ground. And I try to find those things that help me do that. Well, I, I think part of this is how we keep each other accountable on right. that, that's you right. know, as well. So as we start to head wrap up, got a couple questions for you. Yeah. Big, hairy, audacious goal. Yeah. What's your BHAG personally, and what's your BHAG for your company? Um, for the company, um, we have this idea of being able to be a global presence, have a global presence. And um, as of last year, uh, early this year, we're in three different countries right now, and we're continuing to expand. And it wasn't we wanted to be a global company, but what we are doing and for whom we work for that gives them an advantage, meaning they want to do more business with us, right? And I know I'm being a little bit um, discreet, but uh, we don't do anything secret or sensitive or anything. It's just we have customers. Um, so we wanted to be able to create technology for one simple reason. We wanted to create something that people will actually want to use and that will actually help them do their job better. I can't think of another company that actually says that, at least not in the area and the environment that I'm, that I'm in here in Columbia, Maryland. Because um, if nobody's using your stuff and you're a commercial company, you're, you don't have a business. Right. Uh, for me personally, uh, quality of life. I get to spend more time with my, uh, my family um, now because I have better control of my, uh, my schedule than I did when I was working for somebody else. Uh, that part for me is true. I, I've been able to find a way. Look, I got to work nights and weekends. I don't have to work nights and weekends, but I do that because I can spend more time with my family and my kids. You know, I have a 10 and 14 year old. And that to me is a big win, is being able to take care of them, get them into military academy. I want them to be the, the mics of the world. And go out and do their thing. And I'm doing my part. And I feel like I have a good handle on that now. So my goal was to be able to create a lifestyle, a business as an entrepreneur that I can maintain over a certain amount of, of years. And we've been doing this now for almost seven years. That's great. We've got veterans and military spouses tuning in from all over the country, all over the world. Mm. What words of encouragement would you like to leave them with as they're on their own entrepreneurial journey? Look, uh, Having a great idea is the first step in, um, you know, owning your own journey. You know, I think we have a mutual friend and his saying is own your own journey. And that is absolutely, absolutely correct. Um, go out and find the people who share the same philosophies and ideas. Find your community because you don't have to do this alone. You know, a good idea is only a good, as good an idea as it is commun when it's communicated to the world. I there's so many people who come in here and say, I've got this idea. And I say, well, who have you talked about it to? And they said, nobody. I've written it down. You got to get yourself out there and you got to be able to be comfortable with taking challenges. Step one, 
find your community, whether you're a mill spouse, you have access to military installations, to things like bunker labs, that it's a national international thing now. You have local chapters in the local cities. You have access to veteran communities. Um, there's almost no excuse, right? But go out and find your tribe. Go out and find the people who get you motivated to do what you want to do. And man, it doesn't get any better than that. And then when that's all said and done, give back. So I have an ask for all our listeners. Chris purchased, he wrote and uh, published his first book, The Veteran Entrepreneur, My Journey from NCO to CEO. Right. He sent me a signed copy, which <laughs> I'm reading. And Chris, I want to invite you back on the podcast to talk about that book. I know we didn't get into that today, but you know, there's no rules in audio. And so when I jump on with someone, when I felt like there was this passion on your heart to talk about this experience of raising capital to support people out there. I want to make space for that, but I want to get you back on the podcast to talk about that book. In the meantime, is there anything this community can do to support you on your own journey? Um, my only ask is this, and I thought about this in the beginning. Um, I like to flip that around. And if there's anything that I can do, I don't know everything, but I, I have developed a certain amount of experience in things and starting a business. And I don't know all the answers. I'm available on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Um, I'm very response. Uh, I, I generally respond to most people who have a good ask. If you're trying to sell me something, I don't typically respond. But you know, this is the beginning. If you have a question as to how I can do this, or if you want to change careers, I just talked to a Navy guy uh, recently, and he wants to jump in. I said, you know what? I'm glad you started with me, and here's what I think you you can do. Here's what I think you should do, and here's what I think you should consider. Um, that's all I ask is let me be part of your community and I'll, you know, happy to let you be part of my community. And that's where it begins. I told y'all selfless leader, feel free to reach out to Chris and for all our listeners, please do me a favor and subscribe to the transition newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. Until next time, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.